okay, turn with me if you have your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. We're excited to jump in and be where we have been walking through, really a fast jog through Romans chapter 13. We made it through halfway last week. I'd like to continue as we apply the gospel in a radical new life of love. It is radical. It's a living a life of love part two. Um, And I just think that we all struggle a little bit here. I do. I struggle with various pieces in trusting in my obedience to the Bible. You hear that? I I, want to trust in my obedience to the Bible instead of trusting in the message of the Bible. It's a difference. And we have this engagement of our hearts. And my my goal and my heart for us this morning, you and I, is that we might engage our hearts in an amazing love, even as we were singing to our Savior, oh, you are worthy, worthy, holy is the Lamb of God. That you and I would be so overwhelmed with love of our Savior this morning that love for each other might flow out of us. Not duty, but desire. I don't know if you ever heard the story of David in 2 Samuel chapter 23. It's tucked away there. It's David and the mighty men where David has been fleeing and he's been kicked out of Bethlehem where he was and he's out in the wilderness in the cave of Abdullah. There he is in the wilderness and he's hot and dry and thirsty and away and just his men there are with him and he says, ah, oh, how I would love to have a drink from the well of Bethlehem. Remember that story? It's not a command. And his men, three of them, hear it. Remember what they did? They set off. They got their weapons. They fought their way in. They fought through the Philistines into who were holding Bethlehem, into the gate of, of Bethlehem there. And they, two of them, fighting off the Philistines, while the third one gets his skin in the well and fills it up. And they take off through the desert. The amazing thing is they didn't drink the water. And they brought it back to David. Why'd they do that? Why'd they do such a wild thing? Because they heard their king say, Oh, this is my heart's desire. David got that. He said, I can't drink it. I can't drink it. This is the blood of of my men. He poured it on the ground. That's really a wonderful picture of the love and devotion that the son has for his father. Jesus has for for God the father. But what about us? Oh, that we might hear that the commands when we hear them of the Lord wouldn't be this dry, hard thing that we white knuckle. But we hear our Lord say, oh, this is the way. And we say, yes, we'll go. Let's go. That's our heart, my heart for us this morning as we look at Romans chapter 13 and we see some of these things that the life of love does. Okay. A Christian life, no duty, but a wonder of worship and of love. So I want to start first with worship at what the gospel does. Oh, that we might see this. Your eyes might be open to it. Look with me. Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 8. It says this, owe no one anything except to love one another. 
for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Owe no one anything. We we looked at this last week, so you, you heard what we think about this verse as we go in. You know that this idea that we don't abuse people, we don't manipulate and try and borrow and not pay back, that even our act of paying taxes, of honoring people, of how we act in society, all of those things reflect our love. I pay my taxes gladly. We looked at that. It doesn't discharge my debt when I honor someone. So he's not talking about don't have any debts. You'll always have somebody to honor. Yet at the same time, oh, that we engage with love. So we looked at that. We do things lovingly. We love not as a debt to another, but really as the overriding principle as law of life. Man, our, our whole heart's desire, because we've seen our Savior, is to love and to love each other, to love is supreme. And Paul's been going through that now in 13, and he says, love, only love. Love is so fantastic. Love is the way to go. Love, love, love. you got to think as you hear that and you're reading with me and you've read Romans, you start to think, wait a minute, isn't there more? Aren't there the commands of the Bible? Just love? And I I get what love is, and hear me, love is heartfelt self-sacrifice for the sake of somebody else. I know what love brings. We read 1 Corinthians 13 last week. It wasn't for Valentine's Day. It was because it applies to all of us. It's a manly thing as well as a gal thing. Patience kindness. It believes no evil. It only thinks good. It, it, it believes all things, hopes all things. Fantastic stuff. But, but you can just hear people asking Paul, okay, so you say love, 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 love is all there is, and yet there's no law? Yeah, and so he writes this. This is our start, really, because we Say, oh, no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Take a minute with me. Don't pass this by. Take a minute and see what an amazing, wondrous statement this is. Realize, don't you realize in Romans, we've walked through Romans. This is the classic case that goes over and over. The law set a standard that who couldn't do? Us. We couldn't do the law. We can't do the law. The law says here, this is this God's holy standard. Do this. And the law over and over says, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't. All the law does to us is condemn us. We look at the law and you look at the holy commands of God. Just take the Ten Commandments and over time they condemn us. We've walked through Romans. We know that's true. But just in case, take a look back to Romans chapter 3. Take a quick look back with me. Romans chapter 3, verse 19. Now we know, Paul writes, this epistle. We know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world held accountable to God. 
For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Right? We know this already, but it's a review to say, the wonder to say, you realize what the law does. The purpose of the law in our lives is to condemn us. It's to say, you punk, you didn't make it. Sorry, hard language. But it's true. That's what the law does. It says to us, you didn't make it. It condemns us. We're justified, Romans points out, apart from the law because we are rebels. Impure and unclean. And here comes Jesus. And now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What did it say again? I I, I missed that. I kind of ran my eyes over it. What did it say? The one who loves another has fulfilled the law? That, that that law, the one that God gave 3,000 years ago and that people have been trying to fulfill ever since. And there on Mount Sinai, God gave the law to Moses and this perfect standard to his chosen nation and it's beautiful and perfect and pure and the people say, we will do it. And they all lined up on the mountain there, Deuteronomy 28, you remember? They shouted out to each other the blessings and the curses to say, we will do it. And then they didn't do it. They didn't even get to go into the promised land. And their kids, they went and they didn't do it. And their kids after them and they didn't do it. And their kids have generation after generation. Nobody can. And then there's this little throwaway statement in Romans 13. If you loved, you've fulfilled the law. (laughs) Oh, see with me the wonder of that, you guys. See with me how amazing it is that you and I can say, when we love, we, we, we've fulfilled the law. Oh, that would drive worship in us. How can this be? How can this be that this happens? How can this be that this is going on? Well, look what he says. He gives these commandments, right? In verse 9, he says, For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. See, that's what the law is after, right? These horizontal commands that he's talking about, they contrast love. It's no great shakes, it turns out. It's amazing to me. 2,000 plus years of law keeping, trying to and failing that the goal of the law is simply don't hurt your neighbor. That's it. Don't hurt your neighbor. I guess I'm so prone to hurt my neighbor. It must be. Right? Th- those are these things. We say, look, it's like, it's like we're stuck and we've been stuck forever on one plus one addition when we should be doing algebra. It's all you need to do. Just, just don't, don't hurt your neighbor, you guys. You shall not commit adultery. Yeah, so love is, is not making the loved one an oath breaker or being an oath breaker yourself. That causes harm to your neighbor. So it, it's against the law. You shall not murder. Yet love is obviously not taking the life of somebody. (laughs) That must be causing them harm. You shall not steal. Love doesn't take away from somebody that you love because that causes harm. You shall not covet. Love doesn't want what the loved one has because that causes harm. Indeed, love does the opposite. 
So, so as we think, think of what he's saying. The light comes on that love soars above the Ten Commandments, doesn't it? Well, I know love is contained in that. I'm not talking about the vertical ones per se. I'm talking about the ones that apply to us of loving one another, these horizontal commandments. It soars above it. Why? Because it actually does positive good. If I just say, hey, you, do not murder, and you don't murder, have you done anything nice to me? Well, yeah, I haven't murdered you. Count your blessings. (laughs) I really wanted to. I guess in a way that's good. But it's not actually positive blessing for me. It's not actually something that is just self-sacrifice on my behalf that you would be, be doing for me or that I would be doing for you. There's not this amazing where love actually says, we're going beyond that. We're going beyond harming you and going into blessing you. Isn't that what 1 Corinthians 13 is talking about? The ways that we actually bless Knowing Jesus opens this up. It frees us up to not be selfish, but to be loving, to bless. I, I hate a homeless meal where we go and we bless people, we give them a hot meal. That, that's beyond the Ten Commandments, huh? That's love. But it's not just those things. I remember, for example, my, my younger brother, when my grandfather was still alive, my grandpa was up in age, years. And bless his heart, what he really wanted to do is talk about his war experiences. You ever been around someone who really loves their war experiences? So he would tell the same war experience stories over and over and over. I would kind of get up and wander away to my shame. My younger brother would sit for hours, and he'd listen to my grandpa talk about the war. I'm going, shave, heard that already. No, what was he doing? He was loving him listening to him. Oh, that sort of thing the gospel brings. It's encouraging. It's in a holy kiss. It's these amazing things that now are birthed in us that are soaring above the horizontal controls of the law because the law says, do no harm and love blesses. Oh, worship with me that this is what's happening to us. It's an important way to think because here we have again, look at verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Do you see this? That we're not saved back to law keeping. Paul could have done that. He says, he could have said, hey, hey, owe no one but to love each other and do these commandments. He, he doesn't actually say that. The fulfillment of the law is not in keeping the commandments. I want to say that again. The keeping of the law is not in, the fulfilling of the law is not in keeping these commandments. It's in love. Do you see how that's different? Do you see how that's amazing? Look, when you love, you respond to the gospel, you're actually accomplishing what is the heart of these rules, what the heart was that the law was after. And that's a radical witness to the truth of the gospel because the law can't get people to that heart. Only Jesus can. It's a really important thing for our walk in Christianity that we know we're dead to the law, we're not under it. Remember that? We've walked through that in Romans. Take a look with me back to chapter 6 in Romans. 
and in chapter 6, verse 14. says it twice, actually. Would you see that? You are not under law, but under grace. In verse 15, if you look at it again, it says this. You are not under law, but under grace. Look, the same words, twice. Usually if the Bible in verse by verse repeats things for you, they're really important. (laughs) You are not under law, but under grace. You are not under law, but under grace. Turn with me to chapter 7. It's actually in several places, but we could go here at least and see and look at chapter 7, verse 4, where Paul writes this, and he says in verse 4, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another for him who has been raised from the dead in order we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, verse 5, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bring fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Wow! This is radical for our Christian life, that Paul says here, look, Love is what fulfills the law. Law keeping didn't fulfill the law. In fact, you aren't under the law anymore. You died to it. In order for you to get to Jesus, what had to happen was you, I'll use me, Dax, had to die and be transferred from one kingdom to a whole other kingdom. In order for that to happen, the law had to say, yes, you're done. And what we did was we were identified with Jesus Christ in his death and in his perfect keeping of the law and in his payment on the cross for our sins. And we were transferred into another kingdom from the kingdom we were in before where there is not law, there is love. That's radically important. Which is why it's so amazingly wonderful that we now say, look, look what that did. That makes it so actually what the law was after happens in us. That's incredible. This isn't just Romans. I won't make you turn there, but but listen. Galatians 2.19, For through the law I died to the law that I might be alive to God. Through the law I died to the law that I might be alive to God. How this pushes back at me. How this pushes back at my desire to say, I put my trust in obeying the Bible. I put my trust in obeying the law. What's the end of that? Death. I can't do it. Instead, you have this. You have this love that's the response of the heart to the gospel actually does what the law entailed. That's amazing. Ephesians 2.15 says that Jesus abolished the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that were against us. Colossians 2.14 says Jesus canceled the record of debt that stood against us. Now, you could say, well, Jesus canceled that debt. See, Jesus took the debt that was against us, and he and he canceled it, and then he saved us, and then he reinstituted the debt. But it actually said what he did is he took this piece of paper, and he nailed it to the cross. Remember that image? These ordinances that were against us that we couldn't do, and Jesus came, and he nailed them to the cross. So, so here's where we're headed. Here's where Paul is headed. There's three paths, you know. There's this idea of self-dependent law-keeping. I know how to get to God. I'll just do all the, I'll take all the commandments in the Bible and I'll do them. And we know that ends in death. 
We can't. It's legalism. It says I can earn my way to God. But there's something else that's wrong too. It's this. It's God-dependent law-keeping, right? Not self-dependent law-keeping where I say I'm going to stone-knuckle myself to God. But now I'm going to say that God's energizing me to go back and do the Ten Commandments in order that I might have the necessary righteousness to stand before him in heaven because that's what I need is righteousness that I can point to and say, God, I did the Ten Commandments for you. Look, you helped me. Thank you. And that's just as bad. That's not what actually goes and fulfills the law. Love does. This is important. I'm not saved to law-keeping. I'm saved to the fruit of love. Because do I say this here? I'm forgiven by faith alone. Is that true? I'm forgiven by faith alone. Now I have the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ by faith alone. And now I have the Holy Spirit within me by faith alone. And so now I'm going to go back to the law, the Ten Commandments and every other commandment I can figure out, verse 9. And I'll I'll focus my new God-given ability on these commandments and I'll do them. No, that's, that's not the way Paul pushes us, is it? Don't you see that he's pushing us another way? Don't you see that what he's actually doing is something different? What he's actually doing is saying this. He's saying, look, I have been forgiven by faith alone. I have the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ by faith alone. I have the indwelling Holy Spirit in me by faith alone. And so now I'm going to continue every day to make my focus Jesus Christ. And I'll look to him for everything, everything my soul needs. I will look to him and know that he has saved me. I will look to him and and respond to this amazing, wonderful, fantastic depth that I can never get to the bottom of, right? Ephesians chapter 3, the end of it, the height, the depth, the width. Who can understand the love of Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ will be my focus and love will be my fruit. Isn't that where we're headed? Oh, can we go there? I know you're going there. Why? I got this amazing bag of wonderful treats. That wasn't law. No one's putting guns in people's heads. Okay, hey, hey. <clears throat> nice card for Pastor Dex. Ten minutes. Or else. That would be law. Instead, I got this wonderful packet of things that just said, Dex, we, we love you. Wow, you guys. How mind-blowing. How wonderful. This is, this is the path. This is the only path. White-knuckling what you think the commands are will get you nowhere. Maybe worse than nowhere. And... And if, you, if you're not getting this, you say, well, but Dax, look, love fulfills the law, so love does these things. No, what happens is, is that love gets to the heart of what the law was after. Love gets to the heart that says, I'm not going to do my neighbor any harm. I'm actually going to bless my neighbor. I want that. I desire it. I, my, I, heard, I heard the voice of my Lord. I heard him. And he just, he, he just that song that said, I, I love the people around around you, Dax. I love them. I'd like you to lay down your life for them. And so like David's mighty man, I'm grabbing my sword and saying, let's go. I want it. Why do I want it? Because I'm so devoted to my God. He's given me so much. I'm so grateful. Here I am wanting to lay my life down for them, for others. Why it's radically different is because you'll fail. And if you fail and you have a list of commands, you're done. What do you do? 
How do I get better if, if, if the list of commands is in front of my face and here I am wanting to knock them off and, and I don't get there? What happens? Well, I know what happens in my life. I try harder. Then maybe I accomplish them and then I feel proud. Or maybe I never accomplish them and I feel I'm in despair. As opposed to the other way, you see, as opposed to the way we're talking about in the gospel, which says, if you don't get morally to where you should be, what's the problem? The problem is your focus is not on Jesus Christ. So what you need to do is you need to go back and look at the promises of Christ. You need to look at the hope that's built into these promises. You need to look at your faith. Oh, is it really true that Jesus has done these things? You need to look at those things. You need to get, it's out in the lobby. You need to pick one up. If you don't have it, you need to put on your fridge the list of who I am in Jesus Christ. I put together a little list from the Bible, just Bible verses of what the Bible says every single believer in Jesus Christ is. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, look, a saint. A child adopted, loved forever. And the Bible just lays out for us the truth that's irregardless of how well you are doing, doing the Christian life. It's all focused on what Jesus Christ has done for us. That's where we live. Out of that comes the fruit of love. You must be here. Not because it's the best way, because there's no other way. I put a quote from John Piper and on, your, on your outline. It says this, In all of its negative effects, this is where the law was leading, to Christ. The law was not leading from self-dependent law-keeping to God-dependent law-keeping. No, no. The problem is far greater than that. We don't just need a new motive. We need a savior. The law was leading from all law-keeping to Christ as the way of life. Okay. Amazing, isn't it? Worship with me. That actually loving this fruit of the Holy Spirit that gets birthed in us as we focus in on Jesus Christ and we start to do small things, cups of water, and we realize that that is actually fulfilling what the law desires. Wow, that's not all this morning. We have one more piece. Not just worship, but waken. Get alive, get awake to what the gospel means right now. Look at verse 11. Besides this, you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Okay, so while you're here wondrously worshiping that love fulfills the law, at the same time, he says, besides this, in addition... You know the time. As you think about what Jesus has done in you, as you redouble your response here, he says, respond, keep responding. Love even more. Why? Because you realize the clock is ticking. You know the ticking clock. 
This stretches back all the way to 12.1, remember, where we had our reasonable service because we're going to lay down our lives. We're sacrifices because God has made us alive. God has made us holy. God has made us blameless. And our eyes are wide and we're such in wonder. We say, what's our reasonable service? Well, it's to sacrifice our lives. Because of what he's done. So that means dropping myself. That means I'm devoted to patiently and gently and kindly helping other people get lifted up. I'm not about me. I'm taken care of. I'm a sacrifice. It's done in a variety of ways, even mundane ways, joyfully and lovingly paying back what is owed, as we've just seen in 13. And, 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 and even when you're in another kingdom, because we are. And even now, more. Because this is the reality. Time is running short. Isn't like that? It's like that. I'd like that even this morning. But usually here I am that I need a certain time that I, I know it's coming. So I set my alarm a, a little bit ahead of time. Usually it's a lot ahead of time so that when the little alarm comes and it goes, you know, ding, ding, beep, beep, and I kind of wake up. And the little thing flashes on your phone because my phone is my alarm. And it says, dismiss. But underneath it, it says, sleep five minutes more. And I always tap that one. So I don't have to move. And you're just sort of laying there. Just just kind of laying there. And then it, you know, five minutes goes by. So ding, 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 beep, beep. And you wake up and it does it again. Ding, ding, beep, 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 beep. Does it again. Never. I don't know about yours, but mine doesn't have a running total of how many times I press the button. And if it did, it'd be really scary. It'd be really scary here too. Because you see, the alarm has gone off. Christ has come. And we're in sort of snooze time. We're in post time where, you know, it's, we don't know which times when we keep hitting reset and we keep hitting reset, which time it's going to be done. The time is now to get up and move. We got to move. Why? Because, because the night's almost done. The, the, the dawn is starting to come up. That's, what it's saying here, right? The night's far gone. The day is at hand. There's this glow, that pre-dawn glow, and you just know, and your eyes are kind of setting. You've been hitting the snooze bar a little too many times, and you know, oh, okay, now's the time. I'm going to get up. Respond. Let that eagerness take hold of you. Cast off the work of dark, works of darkness, he writes. What are the works of darkness? Those are deeds that are hidden and ashamed. You know them, right? This is not rocket science. The interesting thing is, who's he talking to? He's talking to us. He's talking to the church. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to people who already believe in Jesus Christ. You already believe in Jesus Christ. And yet many of us, me too, we have things we're ashamed of. We have things you don't bring into church. We, we, we dress up and we get all nice and we, we don't talk about that we're yelling with our spouse on the way to church. We don't talk about that there's actually tensions and sins that we hide away and we're ashamed to get out. Why? Because they're just shameful. And I care a little bit more about what you think about me than what God does. And here's Paul. He's saying, no, no, the alarm's gone off. You guys, now's the time. Get into the light. Put on the armor of light, he says. Christians can have works of darkness and be saved. But Paul says here, let the light in. 
Make me transparent. Cling me to the truth. You see, this armor of light is the truth. It's it's the opening up of seeing things as they really are, which is we're saved in Jesus Christ alone. Nothing else matters. Well, is that what he really means? Yes, keep your finger here. We won't take long, but go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Turn that way with me and take a look. Chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, if you hit Timothy, you've gone too far. But if you look at chapter 5, he has a parallel passage to this. It's very similar. And in verse 6, he says this. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. And this is what I want you to see. Look. Having put on the breastplate of faith, and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. What is he saying? He's saying there, look, this is what the armor of light is, isn't it? It's hope in our promises of salvation. It's hope in Jesus. It's hope in the gospel. It's hope in what he says. I have this helmet on and it's light. Why? Because it's the only truth that matters is that Jesus Christ died for me and he died for all of my sins. And therefore, You want to talk about my sins? Sure. Jesus paid for them. We don't hide them away and tuck them away and act still like we're in darkness. No, they've been paid for. All of our fears and anxieties and worries. God is in charge of. He's able. Breastplate of faith. I believe it. I believe it. You can throw darts at me and say, Dax, Dax, you're not good enough to go to heaven. You're not good enough to go to heaven. Yes, I am. Why am I? Because of Jesus. That's it. You too. Your only hope is Jesus. So this breastplate that we wear protects us from darts when people want to judge us. We don't care if they judge us. They're judging Christ. Christ says he paid for us. This is this armor, you see, and and love. Faith and love and hope. These things that are birthed in us. These things that are lightful and they push us towards not continuing to hide as Christians. To being open people. Not wearing stuff on our sleeve. Hey, have I told you my top ten sins today? No thanks. Go pray and repent. (laughs) Don't tickle my ears. But at the same time, oh, that they don't matter. So here he says, walk properly as in the daytime. Open, right? Your inside matching your outside. He says, not in orgies and drunkenness. By the way, does any Christian you've ever known think orgies and drunkenness are good? No. He's not saying, you guys, you need education to know that orgies and drunkenness are bad. He's not saying that. He's saying the things that we know are evil, and yet we hide away and do them. Because we're ashamed of the things we do. Stop. Orgies and drunkenness, anti-gospel. Why? Because they're self-centered living, focus on my pleasure. Sexual immorality and sensuality, anti-gospel. Why? Because they're self-gratification focused on me. If you're caught there, you're not thinking clearly about your Savior. You need to what? You need to white-knuckle and stop doing those things. No, what you need to do is get your eyes back on Jesus. Focus in on the gospel. Quarreling and jealousy. Those are anti-gospel. Those are a little bit different because they're not so clearly things you do at night. 
but they're still self-centered, aren't they? Desiring against others. I want to impose my view on somebody else. I want to bicker with them. I want what they have. I'm going to be jealous that God's blessing them and not me. It's self-focused stuff. Okay, so how do I get rid of these things? And one way, I think, again, is get to work on the commands. So I think you need to stop being so lazy. You need to redouble your efforts to ascetic lifestyle. You'll get more points with God. No, this is more radical than that. What does he say? But put on the, verse 14, Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not put on good works, not put on the law, but focus in on Jesus. This is how change happens. I'm clothed in Christ. My eyes are on him. My heart is engaged in loving him. I'm overwhelmed with how he's loved me. This is why the theme of our verses, of our church is 2 Peter 3.18, right? But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory now and forever. Amen. We focus in on him alone. But we make no provision for the flesh. Remember, flesh is immorality. Flesh is also self-righteousness. To gratify its desires. Because we have a new set of desires. We don't go feed the old ones. Boils down to this this morning as we close. Boils down to this. We, you and I, have left self-salvation, haven't we? Oh, that we might get that in our minds. I do not trust in my obedience to the Bible this morning. I've left self-obedience, left self-salvation, and I've gone to trusting in the message. The message is a person. His name is Jesus. I trust in a Savior. I trust in someone who gave me his righteousness so that I might stand before God forever. Haven't you? And in that, new desires will come. In that, oh, we'll be like David's mighty man. We'll hear God, God, and we'll say, oh, I want that. I want to go. I want to go lay my life down that my king might have a drink of water. In reality, it's Jesus himself doing it. Oh, get your eyes back on Jesus. It will cause you to bear the fruit of love. This is wondrous. And we've put on Jesus. This is the way through immorality. This is the way through jealousy. This is the way through quarreling. This is the way through being ashamed and hiding. Is to actually say, you're in the light. I'm agreeing with God. My only hope is in him. And so I will stand and joyfully proclaim that my only hope is in Jesus Christ. Never in me ever. This will drive our humility. This will drive our gratitude. And this will end in heaven forever. You guys, let's do it. Let's pray.